ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Water buybacks are again dividing communities across the Murray-Darling Basin with new legislation currently before the Senate. The federal government has proposed buying back more water from irrigators to help protect the environment. But some say that will lead to job losses on farms and further decline of regional towns, particularly in southwest Queensland. With less than a year left in the Basin Plan, hundreds of gigalitres of environmental water are still yet to be recovered. And as the drought looms, river communities are nervously watching on. National Nathan Morris visited some of these communities for his story. Less than a year ago, this creek bed was in flood. But after a couple of wet years, there's been little rain recorded on Frank Deshen's property near Hebel in southwest Queensland. The river ran for two years constantly. The floodplains all replenished. But old Mother Nature, she's got a way of uh, levering up again. Frank is a third-generation farmer. He grows both irrigated and non-irrigated crops and also runs cattle. This year, it was too dry to plant a winter crop, so he's using the water he has left to prepare for the forecast dry weather ahead. So we've decided to utilise some water uh, for irrigated barley. So that'll replenish our barley supplies and, and the other good benefit will be uh, we'll bale all the straw, so that'll fill up an empty shed we've got then too. Water can significantly increase the value of a farm and its output but it's equally valuable to the social fabric of surrounding communities. Water down the river is such a valuable resource, you know, and that keeps our schools going, operating, it keeps the doctors here, you know, it keeps the hospitals going, you know. In an effort to restore water to the Murray-Darling River system, licences for tens of thousands of megalitres have been bought back from farmers in this northern basin region. But the removal of that water has only further squeezed the already waning population of nearby Hebel. There was probably 30% um, wiped out off many businesses, you know. After the pub and the shop closed, Frank stepped in and bought them, along with the caravan park and the butcher shop. You own the town at the moment. <laughs> All apart from the church. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hold any irrigator accountable for, for selling their assets. Where I think it's wrong is that is the federal government issued these licences um, in the first place. Now, businesses were set up to support those licences in these communities. That's where I believe the government has a moral responsibility to inject some funds into these communities to offset the economic value that has been taken away. Further up the floodplain near the town of Bandy. Grain and cattle farmer Jackie Hemming is drought feeding again. Uh, we've been feeding here now for about three months. We're feeding lick and cotton seed. The last drought pushed a lot of farmers out of the district and there's an unease at the prospect of more water buybacks. Certainly the community groups in town are struggling. Ever since the last drought and the water buybacks, people have left town, people have um, sold up and left. So if buybacks put back on the table, you know, you think more people will might see that as a way to cash out? Absolutely. Yep, I do. And and to be honest, I, I can't blame them. <laughs> but I but again I do see it as a detrimental situation for our town. Absolutely. Deer and Bandy's main street tells the story of a town in transition. The wool boom is no longer and agriculture is increasingly more efficient and there are fewer jobs to fill. 
with a declining and ageing population for those who have no plans on ever leaving. The goal is to simply preserve the basic foundations of the community. We need to find another industry to keep the town alive. Uh, it's worth saving. It's, 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 it is the hub of this community. There is so many people who rely on our hospital, our food works, who live an hour and a half west of here. You know, for them to then go to town to get their groceries or parts or whatever that may be, you're talking two and a half hour drive for them to go and pick that up. But sustaining an economically important irrigation industry and a healthy river is a challenge. For the traditional owners, the ULEI people, that balance is even more complicated. And mum's family were here when they were felling all the trees and, uh, and they knew that probably wasn't the best thing for, for the environment back then, but they still did it. I'm also aware, as a business person, how many people uh, the farms actually employ and those are the sorts of things that uh, keep us going as business. So I'm a little bit torn. Tanya Thomas was born in Derrimbandy but only came back five years ago when she bought the local cafe. So my getaway time, I go down to the river and just sit and it's just a comforting, quiet space where you just feel connected and it's, um, it's, it's hard to explain, it's just a feeling. Another 100 kilometres up the river, near the town of St George, Gomeroy elders Ron Waters and Sam Saunders look over the less than 14% of water still left in Lake Kajarabi. When it stops gravity feeding in this channel here, they put their big pumps in over there on that bank, pump it into that channel over there, and they'll, they'll drain it right down to a pool. And that's supposed to be our environmental water. The buybacks don't help us because they send it all down and in the front end of the flows. This is what we get left with at the back end of the flows. The EJ Beardmore Dam was built in 1972 and supplies water to irrigators in St George. Ron remembers the construction. He helped build the adjacent causeway. That was my first job when we left school. We were on a big cement mixer just up here. We're not against um, economic development. We helped them clear the land. It was economic development for a lot of work for Aboriginal people. Well, what are your thoughts, Sam, on the irrigation industry? Can you coexist? Well, they've got to make a living, but cut back on their allocation and open them more country up that we can make a good living without all trying to outdo each other. In 2018, the federal government committed $40 million to help First Nations communities invest in water for cultural and economic activities. But so far, no water has been bought. But at the end of the day, when all the development stopped, they forgot all about us. Never gave us a seat at the table anymore. This is our life, our, our, our bloodline, you know, and it's... And it links us all together. Sam Saunders and Ron Waters, Gumaroi elders from St George. Rural lobby group AgForce has joined up with the National Farmers Federation and New South Wales Farmers to air their deep frustration with not only the federal government, but their state governments for once again using irrigation licence buybacks to satisfy environmental targets. CEO of AgForce, Mark Guren, says not only is government risking livelihoods of farmers in their communities, erratic actions like these is risking future investment. 
we had an agreed framework, including a safeguard mechanism. And for those who don't live in the Murray-Darling Basin, this might seem a little abject, but their very communities are at risk. Without water, humans cannot survive. But those communities also care about the Murray-Darling. So it had the state government sign up to this as well in a unilateral way, without consultation, without engagement. Again, deeply disturbing, not only for communities, but for the Murray-Darling Basin itself. It was hoped that this extra water, the 450 gigalitres across the system, could be recovered through efficiency projects. Why has that not worked for Queensland farmers, do you think? Again, one of the things which beggars belief and we don't understand, Amy, the National Farmers Federation have a set of proposals and indeed some implementation going on which can allow that amount of water saving through innovation and technology. AgForce has been a big part of that work alongside the National Farmers Federation Committee. They have expressed exasperation what's going on. They have shown their work to the government and indeed make it public for the communities. It is on the back of some long work and ongoing work by industry and communities. It can be done. So in the middle of that work, that is showing that there is a way to save that water without further buybacks. Again, they take away those safeguard mechanisms. They remove confidence from local communities. How can young people invest in agriculture with confidence if the rules keep changing? Industry and community is not against sitting back down and talking about revising the plan, thinking about new science, working ahead together. But no young person can commit a 40-year career and take on a large loan when governments appear very keen just to act in a unilateral way overnight with huge impacts to communities including removing the safeguard mechanism, which is a foundational piece for the human population that lives through the Murray-Darling Basin. Would any amount of compensation help to offset the likes of depopulation, which these towns are facing once again? Well, compensation is one of those things you can talk about, and we do it in a democracy. When we need to change direction, because science tells us so, we talk about how we can do that in a way that's fair and reasonable. But we're not at that point. Because we haven't sat back down with the government, they haven't sat us down, they haven't showed us a new science, and we haven't started to walk forward together as a broader community, recognising that, recognising how best to look after the Murray-Darling Basin, and given the implications of that information which we haven't seen, what is fair and reasonable to put in place in a democracy like Australia to to ensure everybody's recognised and looked after through whatever transition we need to make? It is quite mind-boggling that we find ourselves in this position. No community is against further change if it's needed, but the communities have worked long and hard over many years with both sides of government to put in place a bipartisan agreement which includes those safeguard mechanisms. How can those communities and young people commit to those communities, commit to industry or not with confidence when the rules seem to be able to change, be changed overnight without reason or rationale? So the Restoring Our Rivers Bill, it's passed the lower house, it's now in front of the Senate. What does your lobby group, as well as the likes of the New South Wales Farmers Federation and the National Farmers Federation, hope to agitate on that front? That piece of legislation would be a disaster on so many fronts. So first and foremost, we're calling on the Senate to bring it back to the drawing board. The Murray-Darling Basin will not suffer If we spend a number of months as a broader community talking through what's driven this change, understanding it, 
and thinking about it together. It will have no adverse impact on the Murray-Darling Basin. So firstly, to the senators, please stop this bill. It will not do anybody any good. It won't help the environment. It certainly won't help the communities. And it won't help trust in the political system and the agreements we have in place. So all of our energy at the moment is directed at the Senate to say, please stop this where it is. Industry remains happy to sit through conversations, to have difficult conversations. Communities are happy to sit at the table and talk about the health of the Murray-Darling. We just need this bill stopped so we can do that and everybody comes along this journey together. Mike Guerin, CEO of AgForce. While the bill passed the lower house without amendments, the State Environment and Communications Committee report released has recommended amendments that tighten the leash on how states manage the offset projects and how the Commonwealth will assist the communities it buys water from. The legislation, called the Water Amendment Bill, is due before the Senate by the end of the year, with the government requiring the support of either the Greens or Coalition Senators to pass it.